0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Welcome to Save Your Sanity. So glad you're here. I hope you found value before and you've returned. And if you've just found us, so glad that you did, because this is where you're going to find help for toxic relationships. And today, wow, we've really got a topic for you. We are talking with Dr. Laura Dabney, and we are going to talk about high-achieving men, anxiety, depression, and a lifetime of toxic relationships. So stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast, I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or co-worker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity. We've got another exciting episode for you. Know that there's 150 episodes for you now. So you can go back and do a search, find exactly what you're needing. And if you don't find exactly what you're needing, come and find me and tell me what you need because we'll certainly do a program about that. And you can always find me at 4, F-O-R, H E L P dot com for relationshiphelp.com, and you can find a form there where you can give me ideas for your topics. So today I'm really excited to have a colleague here, Dr. Laura Dabney. Welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, I'm excited about it because we deal with similar clienteles, mm-hmm. and you a little bit different than I, of course, but that whole factor there where the overlap is about toxic relationships becomes really super important. so I'm just going to tell everybody a little bit about you and then we're going to jump right in. Dr. Dabney is a psychiatrist so we're speaking from that point of view and has been the owner of her own private practice in Virginia Beach, Virginia for 20 years and currently her niche is her niche is depending where you are mm-hmm. is helping professionals create the relationship of their dreams. Now that is a tall order. So we're going to talk about that. And she helps clients in dozens of cities in the United States. Her psychiatric expertise has been featured on radio and in print media. And she consults for a large number of organizations. And here she is on Save Your Sanity talking uh, with us. So I have a question for you. You say that you specialize in high achieving men. Why did you choose that target audience?
0: Well, I'd love to say I chose that target audience, but they really chose me. (laughs) What happened was when I first started my practice, I'm going to date myself now. I advertised in the paper and my way of saying I didn't work with insurance companies was to say I was dedicated to patient privacy, meaning I had no receptionist. I had a circular waiting room. They weren't going to see anybody in my office. Well, next thing you know, I have all these executive and professional men in my office, And um, as my mentor at the time pointed that out and said, I really should think about why that was. And it turned out that they were so invested in the privacy piece that that spoke to them. That's interesting because they self-selected,
1: they self-qualified, which is it's really fascinating because mm-hmm. people will do that. And of course, the impact of marketing, something we've spoken about on a couple of other shows, and that really speaks to that right there. So I think it's good for us to focus on this edition of Save Your Sanity on men because mm-hmm. many people always say to me, well, you know that um, Dr. Evans who wrote Coercive Control the study that he did was on coercive control of men over women. And then they will write to me on the videos that I've done on YouTube um, about coercive control. And they'll say, well, this is gender specific, and that's not right. Um, So it is really important for us to realize that people in toxic relationships and people who are the person who brings the toxicity are equal numbers of men and women in these these situations. <laughs> they may present differently, but they will be equally as toxic. So you listed a few things that people come to you for particularly, and that was depression, anxiety, breakups, and a lifetime of toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, those are really big things, and I want to just hone in on the anxiety because Our world has been going through, particularly here in the United States, a great deal of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And are you finding that that is coming to the top of the pile for you just now with people coming forward?
0: It's coming to the top of the pile in many uh, different ways. Interesting. Um, So people who've had anxiety have more anxiety or additional anxiety. And people who've never had anxiety are now um, sort of confused as what they have. And it turns out they have anxiety. And then as we were talking about earlier before the show, what to do with that. So if you're also somebody who t- tends towards anxiety and you like to go out and meet with people and chat with people and that helps your anxiety, if you're very social, that's been taken away from a lot of us. And so that, you know, their outlet is uh, also been cut off. So yeah, I think uh, this very odd situation where a lot of different um Symptoms or feelings have been morphed into an anxiety. Um, also, substance dependence has gone up either because the anxiety has been exacerbated. So, I find substance, ben- substance use has gone up, or if that was their outlet, you know, that's what they're go- tending towards because they don't have any other outlet.
1: Well, I think those things are good to recognize. And I would add one to it. I think for many people, being touched reduces anxiety. And when you're alone, you don't perhaps have that or the frequency of that. If you live alone, of course, that's a whole other issue. Get a dog, get a cat, <laughs> do something. Um, but it, it,
0: it is something because we don't feel comforted. It's well, we've done studies on this actually, Roberta. So you're absolutely right. It's, it, it's the um, audio component, it's the visual component, and it's the tactile component. Those three make people feel secure, they've t- Seeing their endorphins go up. So I always encourage people, if you don't get the tactile, but you can get the audio visual, at least in something like what we're doing. So on Zoom or some computer, is better than just the phone, but the phone's better than nothing. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I think that th- that's well taken because I, I saw something on Facebook the other day, a, a residential home for seniors had had created a wall of plastic and they had put arms in it and wow. so they could go on either side and they could hug each other wow. through the plastic.
0: Neat.
1: And I thought, oh, that's a really, really honest recognition of that need to feel touched. Mm. And particularly if someone has dementia or whatever, and, and that is a much more vital tool than the cognitive ability to carry on the conversation. And so I thought, oh, that's brilliant. So we need to do some things like that for ourselves. Maybe we can't reach out and touch, but we certainly can reach out, as you say, and talk, and that can be anxiety-reducing. We can also see each other, so no mask when we see each other, and uh, on Zoom, at least, or on any kind of uh, program like this. So that's all good. So do you think, going back to your your target audience that has found you on high achieving men. Do you think that uh, this happens more, these depressions and anxieties and toxic relationships happen more with high achievers?
0: Yes. Again, there's been a lot of studies on high achieving men and how they go hand in hand. People who aren't very social start, almost throw themselves into their business because they were very successful with that So it's very common to have someone who's not socially adept to be very successful in business. And then they sort of get this idea as they get older. So maybe they're the golden boy in high school or college, you know, and they're in athletics and they're doing all these things and all the relationships are sort of superficial. They get this sense they can do anything they put their minds to. And so what they think is, well, when I get, you know, top of my game, I'm going to then find a mate. And what happens is they get into their late 20s, early 30s, And they fail time and time again at having a long-standing relationship. And then they start to panic because they want a family. They want to have kids and it's getting later and later. Uh, It's not just women who have the ticking clock. Men also do not want to be in their 60s raising kids. So um, they do have a clock and they start to get a little pink. And that's when they typically see me. They're like, well, this shouldn't be so hard. I've excelled at everything and I can't excel in my relationship.
1: Yes, I can make millions of dollars, but I can't have millions of friends. Right. Um, it, it is a phenomenon. And I think time plays into that, as you were alluding to, mm-hmm. is you put all your focus in, in achieving something. There's a lot of exclusivity things that are excluded when you do that. Perhaps your social calendar goes by the by. Maybe you're not exercising. Maybe you're not getting out and doing community activities or being involved. And then you're so focused that you lose some of your social skills. You, you don't feel confident in your social skills. You may feel 100% confident being the CEO of a large company, delivering an annual address, but you don't feel comfortable Reaching across and making eye contact with a singular human in a, a social setting
0: yeah I've also found that um, an amazing number of people from uh, men from um low socioeconomic, low socioeconomic status families, especially a father that left the family for some reason and suddenly the mother was single left these boys become men early on. And so they're out spending their adolescence uh, earning money and, and, and often more than the moms, they're so um, scared, I think, and so uh, angry and they put it all into this making money to help the family. I've had, I've had patients who have helped their siblings through college um, themselves and their siblings. <laughs> and so they miss that. So they don't ever learn the social uh, norms or habits or uh ways to connect with people. Um so yeah sure. then they just keep going that direction.
1: And and that again speaks to time availability. Like if mm-hmm. I have to, if I feel like I have to take on the role of the man of the house and make it all happen i may miss my childhood that happens a lot so we get psychological deficits from not having had our childhood having to use parts of our brain that are not completely developed and try and make sense of the world you know it's so difficult for for children i'm always talking about this because of my work with people with toxic relationships is you know, you have little people with limited parietal and prefrontal lobe development taking in like all of this. And then a parent starts to need them to be their confidant. (laughs) And the child just like, I have no clue how to do this. I'm not supposed to even know how to do this. This is not anywhere near what a seven-year-old is supposed to be doing. And yet they feel that emotional need to somehow take care. And all of these things affect who we become when we decide to enter relationships in our later
0: life. Right. They don't get, they're playing the spousal role. They're not playing the teenage role with the parent who's doing that wrangling. Start, they should be starting to do that compromising and working through the problems and the differences and, and they don't do it. They, they miss that whole part. Yeah. So vital. Yeah, the,
1: the individuation process is really thwarted. Right. And and that can be very troublesome. So one of the things I'm sure you do, as I do, is, you know, go back and look at all those places that were missed, and and endeavor to pattern through them, or at least to understand them, and and take them to a good place. So you know, I I created this term hijackles for toxic people, and the reason I created that, I, I think I told you when we spoke earlier, is. That I felt so many people were going online and they were putting in, my partner does this, and they were forgetting that the internet is not a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they're coming back with a diagnosis and I really wanted to stop that. So I created the term hijackle, so we could talk about the patterns, traits, cycles, behaviors of people without suggesting that they have a personality disorder. Right. So one of the things that relates to things I want to talk to you about are hijackles like a challenge. So they like to find a high achieving person they can cut down. Mm-hmm. They can control. They can manipulate. And also hijackers tend to be high achieving people who get into that place of power and then they use it in destructive ways. Right. So how do you help people find the balance of, they may be on that edge of healthy, driven, engaged entrepreneurship and unhealthy looking for power over how do you help people with that
0: well for me it starts with helping them see that it's not helpful (laughs) they really convince themselves i mean you and i can see that it's manipulative or even um, paternalistic uh condescending and it really takes some doing to help them see that's not helpful to people i had this one patient who was giving hundred dollar bills to the waitresses at, you know, this little coffee shop and he thought this was being so wonderful and so fabulous. And I said, did you ever consider they might be insulted? You have to pay their way. And he's just, it just never occurred to him. So it's helping them see that they've mistaken closeness with taking somebody over. And we have to get to the differences between those two.
1: Oh, Well said. Because that that because I can because I want to doesn't mean that I'm not trampling on your boundaries. Right, right. Like even in that example, sure, the college student who's earning their way through and gets the ready tip of a hundred dollars a week is is saying yes on one level to the bank account, but on the other, like. What's up with you? Are you trying to buy me off? What are you, what are you doing? I think and I
0: can't do it myself?
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and there's another piece in there, Laura, that I'd like to explore, which is if the person who has the hundred dollars to give happens to err on the side of being manipulative and controlling and falls into the of category, that giving of the hundred dollars can be perceived as grooming. Right,
0: right, exactly
1: you know, like, come here, I want to have you under my control. Mm -hmm. Now you owe me, you know, I've been awfully good to you, haven't I? Mm -hmm. You know, and and that can be very scary, which is my point.
0: Right. Because it's an uneven, I always have to do this, but I can't see my hands if you're just listening to this, (laughs) but my hands are an uneven balance, you know, so they, it's almost like they have to have these uneven relationships as opposed to coming in as equals. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that happens hijackal or not in the population that we've been talking about, the driven population or the having to be driven and neglecting the social aspects, neglecting the balance, getting into that high achieving place and then saying, there's nobody up here to play with. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't brought any any life with me and now I have to think about that. So. You and I both talk about selfishness, and I think we have a similar take on it. So let's talk about that because it kind of fits with the narcissism piece. Mm-hmm. It fits with the me first piece or I'm more important or all about me.com piece. <laughs> um and because selfishness can be extremely positive. Mm-hmm. And yet if you say the word selfish, most people go, Oh no, that's mm-hmm. not good. So what's your take on selfishness?
0: Well, how I see it play out in my patients is that um, actually with the pathological altruistic or these people who tend towards hijackals where they're giving, giving, giving. And we have to stop with, well, wait a second. You know, you you don't take time to reflect on you, what you want. You're so invested in what everybody else needs and wants that you keep everything to yourself. You're not taking care of yourself. They go, well. You know, I don't even know what I need. I'm like, well, that's a problem. <laughs> or they don't Absolutely. want to even admit they need anything because they see that as weak. So um, we have to start with getting them comfortable with themselves and looking in at themselves. And I always talk about self-reflection and um, understanding exactly what their feelings, thoughts are at the moment in these situations and in the problems in the relationship. And they always say, but isn't that being selfish? And we have to then go through the whole self-reflection is not selfish and figure out what you need and want is the definition of being an adult. That's what adult means. You can take care of yourself, which you have, you can't take care of yourself. If you can't figure out what the problem is. Yes, that's, that's really clear
1: because that's very positively selfish. You know, I, I'll date myself. I put out a tape called <laughs> be positively selfish. And I probably listened to it. <laughs> and. And that that's a good thing. It's not overtaking anybody else, not trampling on anybody else. It's not being more important than anybody else. It's saying, I find myself worth spending time with, taking care of, reflecting, thinking what do I value? What's my vision for my life? How am I expressing my beliefs? What is the next thing I'd like to achieve? those are not selfish in a negative sense. Those are me
0: nurturing myself. Right. But these men that came from these families we talked about got so many kudos for helping, helping the family. Oh, you're the man in the family. Aren't you fabulous? Look, you're wonderful. So they just, again, they just assumed that a close relationship means giving, 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 giving. And then there, and nobody can give like that, Roberto, without You know, um, becoming resentful. And that's what they kid themselves. You know, so they end up doing all this and then they become, then they play this victim role. Oh my gosh, I can't do anything for myself. (laughs) And they end up getting resentful and they end up blowing up over here. So I also have to show them how that goes together.
1: Yeah, another good point because resentment from overgiving, like, you know, they don't even take responsibility because they don't see the way they develop the pattern that you're the one who set up the overgiving. Right, Right? like this is a choice you made. You made it for reasons that met your needs when you were 16. And here you are at 36, saying, Everybody wants something from me, and nobody likes me except for what I can do for them. And you know, those are very real feelings, very real feelings. But I'm sure that you help them say, Well, maybe you'd like to choose again. (laughs) Maybe you'd like to say, it could be okay for you to
0: also give to yourself. Right. Or to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now.
1: Imagine that, that you're allowed to have a boundary. Right.
0: Boundaries are very hot topic in my practice.
1: Well, let's talk about that for a bit because, of course, they're a big topic in my practice too. Right. And what do you think it is, in addition to what we've spoken of, that makes people feel like they don't have the right to set a boundary.
0: It comes down to this um, conflict with aggression. You know, so many people have termed aggression as bad. And then we have to have the talk about constructive aggression versus destructive aggression. And that's when their eyes sort of glaze over like, what? (laughs) And um, so we have to go through, you know, constructive aggressions, going for a gold medal, swerving to miss a baby in the road or something. And then destructive aggression is, of course, shooting somebody, hitting somebody, something like that. But uh, said so the 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 key is to know always which is the constructive aggressive approach and taking that. Same with passivity, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's people who revere, you know, passivity or hate it, and they have to understand this constructive and destructive passivity as well. So the key is to pick the constructive parts of both of those and be able to use them. And so for boundaries, it's constructive aggression. So those people who have termed aggression as all bad have trouble using that aggressive saying, I'm sorry, it's not going to work for me, or I'm sorry, I need you to step back, or I'm sorry, you know, please stop saying that in the future or whatever that is. Yeah, So that's an interesting take
1: because when we hear that, and maybe other people are hearing it in a new way or for the first time that you may not even have recognized that saying who you are, saying what your preference is actually from your background feels like you're being aggressive. And that is something that, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Right. And so that redefinition uh, that you're putting forward constructive aggression is important. And then when you talk about the passivity part, you know, that 's where we come into the hijackle territory a lot, because all hijackles and these are the people that people talk about, like narcissism, sociopaths, borderlines, psychopaths, histrionics they all of them have passive aggressive tendencies right. it right. goes with the territory right. and if we don 't understand, even if we don 't have any of the hijackle things aside from passive aggressive tendencies. It's a wonderful world to explore. I, I wrote a book on it called Stop That's Crazy, Making How to Quit Playing the Passive-Aggressive Game. And I've done a lot of videos and things on it. And it really strikes a chord with people because they don't realize that they this whole thing of right about aggression. Right. Right? Like, like somehow if you've been raised that you can't say no, so you say yes with no intention of doing what you're saying yes to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Is becomes destructive, right? And yet, in the beginning, it was just protective. Like, I don't want to have the conflict with you right now, so I'm going to tell you I will do it, and maybe you'll forget, and maybe you'll forget to ask me, and maybe it'll all go away. And I know it won't, but I'm going to hope for that. And then there's going to be um, a question about did I not, did I
0: do what I said yes to? And the answer is going to be no. And then there's going to be a problem, right? Exactly. Yeah, I've had, a, I mean, one of my favorite stories is a man who I just started talking to uh, about an online program. So it wasn't even really a technical session, but when it, he said, the thing that drives me crazy with my wife is she whispers something and she won't tell me what she said. And then he was a constructive aggression guy. I mean, he used aggression all over the place. And so he's like, he, I, and so I ask her, what did she say? And I'm ready to listen. And could she please tell me again? And she doesn't what am I to do? And I said, stop talking. <laughs> don't say anything. And he's like, what? Cause he didn't think passivity was ever a good choice. So it was, he was like, uh, what? He couldn't wrap his head around that. I said, if you don't say anything, she's either going to have to repeat it or it's gone. You know, she, you're know, you done. She's got you in this continuous loop of, she says something quiet and then now you're chasing after her. So stop chasing her.
1: Right. So, yeah, breaking and, and good advice good advice and you know I I would also add to that that when you fall silent you know you say I'm sorry I didn't hear you and I I really would like to hear you to progress with this conversation mm-hmm. the other person has cognitive dissonance you know it sort of disinhibits their neocortex for a minute like what do you mean we're not going to get into our
0: pattern? Right? right, exactly. He breaks the pattern. They always, a lot of, I'm sure you've seen it. I mean, almost everybody comes in with a relationship problem wants to change the other person. Like, well, you, don't, you can't and you don't have to. You can change you. If it's a pattern, you're playing a role in that pattern and you can change that pattern by changing your behavior.
1: Exactly. Exactly that. And, you know, that's why I got into the, Term hijackle because when people were going to the internet and they were coming back with these clinical words, they were abdicating their part in the relationship. Right? They were saying, "Now that person is a, you know, and I'm fine because now I know that person." No, no, honey, you're in it. You are there. You are enabling it. You are producing it. You are playing with it. You are condoning it. Whatever you're doing, you're it. So to go back to your point, I, I, we're so on the same wavelength because people ask, and I, I want your take on this. They'll say to me, "Well, you know, I really want to leave," and I'll say, "Is there physical or sexual abuse?" Well, no. Okay. Well, let me have a little chat with you about this. How about you become a person who has new skills, new mindset, new strategies, you try them out, you test your new communication, you work with your new conflict management skills with this person to see how you can empower yourself and to see if it has any effect. And then take that empowered person and make a decision about leaving. Right. Love it. (laughs) And they're like, well, I, you know, they, they came and they said, I just don't care. I just went out of it with the clothes on my back and my kids. No, don't be doing that. That's not going to play
0: well at two years from now. Let's, let's get you empowered first. Or with the next relationship. I always say you can, but you're going to have this problem in the next relationship because there's always be someone who doesn't do things the way you do or thinks differently, or you're going to have some conflict with. So we can learn it now, or you can learn it later.
1: That's right. I mean, if we don't examine the patterns and change the patterns, everybody listening, if you don't examine and change them, and often you need help to do that because you can't see your own pattern sometimes, you're just going to go out and that's how you do life. So guess what? Dysfunction repeats. Right. And then you'll say, oh, I always get these terrible people. No. <laughs> Remember, you took you with you, right? And that's, yeah, that's a big yeah, and we're not talking about blame here.
0: We're talking about awareness. Right, right. That's why what who, who, well, they was like was I at fault or was she at fault or, it's like can we just stop talking about fault? There's yeah. let, let's, let's look at the situation. What's going on?
1: <laughs> well, yes, it, it's such a big deal. I was working with a couple yesterday, and they were at you know really at loggerheads, and yet yeah, they said. You know, we've been unhappy for years, and we've been to three different people, and now you're the fourth. And but you're the first one who made sense. So we're we're gonna give it another shot. You know, and I'm like, mm, okay, in a tall order here, um, because I am quite no nonsense. I'm I'm kindly direct. You know, I work under the assumption of a, a thing that I read. 35 years ago in a book called the the secrets of staying in love and it was oxymoronically written by a jesuit priest (laughs) but he said this wonderful thing laura wonderful to my ear anyway and he said the genius of good communication is to be totally kind and totally honest at the same time
0: Mm -hmm. love that too
1: and when you can master that you feel empowered Mm-hmm. That you don't have to engage in those two words I would like to unhook in the in the English language, brutal honesty. Right. You don't have to be brutal to be honest. You can be kind and honest. And you can be that way with yourself. And those things become big points to make sure that you're on track with. So before we end, I'd, I'd like to talk to you about what you think are the biggest red flags that show the difference between someone who's toxic and someone who's just unaware of their actions. You alluded to that earlier. Um, but what do you think are the red flags? Because we're all about red flags on Save Your Sanity.
0: Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's basically two groups. So there's the people who can't take care of themselves, the ones who can't hold a job, break the law, self-harm, um, engage in drugs and alcohol excessively um and then there's the people who um well back to the back to the self-harm so they not caring for themselves in the sort of general way of not being able to hold jobs and all and then the self harm the physical self-harm um they get into dangerous situations and don't know how to get out so those that's the general groupings but what i always tell people is you know we're not we're not everybody makes mistakes and everybody makes mistakes everybody has faults and um, times where they wish they'd done something differently. So it really becomes a red flag when you test it. Uh, so if, let's say, uh, oh, a lack of empathy is another big one. So let's say you have a lack of empathy and you're on first date and somebody shows up late. Okay, well, that could be a red flag. They show up late, they don't say anything, they no apology. sit down, start talking. And then you. the key is for you to say something along the lines of, oh, I'm, you know, it's really getting worried about you. You're kind of running late. Then see what they say. That's where you get to see if it's a red flag or not. If they go, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I thought it was it, I thought it was the time, or I I I, I, you know, I have this terrible habit and I'm working on it, all those are good signs. That, then it's not a red flag. If they go, well, What's your problem? It's only 15 minutes late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> flag. Or you yeah. pick a place who's so far out of the way, you know, it's your your fault. Well, then you put the money down, it's a nice meeting you, and off you go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, actually not so nice meeting you. You just yeah. showed me how passive aggressive you really are. And that's a really bad start.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, you pick the place. Now it's your fault. Yeah. that yeah. It's right. my fault. You're late. Okay. Take that as a red flag. That's a really important thing to notice. Mm-hmm. So this dis- distinction between people who actually have toxicity in the way that they interact with other humans and then people who are kind of a little toxic to themselves, because they're they're just not giving themselves credence to see behaviors. They're not speaking up and saying, oh, no, that doesn't work for me, or that doesn't feel good, or I have a question about that, and then not asking it. Because we do have to be participants in these relationships. Don't you always just shake your head when someone says, well, if you loved me, you should know what I think. Oh, that drives me crazy.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's just oh, such... I shouldn't have to say what I want and need. They should right. know by now. Yeah,
1: like, like that person that you married got locked in time and space at the moment when you did know... And now they're the same, and you should be able to know that because time has passed. <laughs> like, it's the same thing, Lord, when someone says to me, well, you know, she's not the woman I married, and I go, yay! <laughs> and <laughs> they're like shocked. I mean, there's cognitive dissonance. When I, I clap and say, that's wonderful. And then I say to the person who said that, are you the same person that you were when you got married?
0: Well, no, this isn't. Ah, so what are we really playing at here? Right. Yeah, I have the terms um, other fantasy and self-fantasy. Other fantasy is your other can read your mind. Somehow they develop this skill to read your mind. Or the people who say, I can't tell her that because she's going to do blah, blah, blah. Because she did that once 10 years ago. And I now can't say this to her. Like, oh, so you can read the future and see what's going to happen every time. And how many times? I mean, it's so funny when they actually finally do get the courage to say it or do it. Nine, I, I can think—I can think of one time on the whole twenty years I've been doing this where someone actually did what they thought they were going to do. They'll come back, and go, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought, or oh, she didn't actually yell at me, or oh, she did, whatever. Yeah. Or actually, she came back and
1: said, "Oh, I'm so glad you said that because like, I knew what? something was going
0: on." Right. <laughs>
1: You know, and, and when you're in a relationship and you want it to work, one of the great gifts you can give someone is love them enough to tell them what you want,
0: right. because
1: then you'll find out if they give it to you, or if they have it to give, or if they're willing, or if they're interested, and you move the relationship forward instead of sitting over here going, you know, are they ever going to figure it out? Like, I thought they loved me, and we're getting building all this resentment and irritation about something that we've given no voice to at all. And I always
0: say intimacy is opening up. You can't tell. We don't tell. So it's not socially acceptable to tell someone on the street, listen, I really need this because I've had a bad day or whatever. But that's the whole definition of being an intimate relationship is opening up and saying things you can't say to other people. And if you're closed off like that and hoping, wishing, sort of playing this game with the other person, you're all closed off and it's not intimate.
1: Well, Yes that's so important for people to realize what intimacy is is you allow someone into your life where you're safe to say what you need and want and they want to know what you need and want mm-hmm. you know um i want to tell everybody um, that they can find you at dr, dr. dabney.com dr. for dr laura dabney but it's dr, D-R the abbreviation dr l Dabney, D-A-B-N-E-Y.com. We're having such a great conversation. I wanted to make sure I get that in. And there's lots of things about Dr. Laura in the show notes. So going back to this, this conversation about being able to read our partner's minds, it's a really important thing because hijackals, really true toxic people, believe they're the smartest person in any room at any moment. And the other people
0: are unaware of the manipulation, Right. <laughs> Right. I, I, people always ask me, how do you know someone? Maybe someone really is really smart. I said, if someone's really smart and not a hijackle, they are going to raise people up with them. They're going to explain and they're they, they comfortable with lots of people being smart in the room and they actually welcome it. If you're a hijackle, you want to be the smartest person in the room at the expense of everybody else. Nice. They have to push people down by belittling them or not listening to them so they can be up here.
1: That's so true because they do have to feel like they are the top dog, that they are the manipulator, they are the puppeteer, and they have this thing. I was, uh, I have this person in one episode, and he talks about facial coding, really Mm -hmm. interesting stuff. And I was talking to him about the phenomenon that I call the hijackal smirk, Mm -hmm. which is this look of. I, I know you better than you know yourself, and I just pulled one over on you. I hope I can't do it. Um, but, <laughs> but he was talking about it when he was debriefing it for us, oh. it is that it is, it is that that meeting of anger and disdain that we call contempt. Right, right. And I hear you discussing that idea of contempt, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lower myself to bring you along with me because I like it up here. And then I can make you lesser beings. And I don't have to consider you, not that I was going to, but I don't have to consider you because obviously you're not worth spending time with. You can't think your way out
0: of a paper bag. Right. Right. And it's again putting distance between you and the others, so it's not intimate. And they have, of course, difficulty with intimate relationships because they can't do that. That closeness threatens them. Uh, Anybody comes close with their intelligence or their thoughts or their feelings, uh, they have to keep pushing. So they want them to come close, but then they push them away, and they don't even know they're doing it. Hmm
1: so true
0: we have so many things to talk about I know. Have to
1: do talk this all day <laughs> yeah and well you know guests like you who bring so much and are right in my target audience things that my target audience wants to know about i always like to have you back so i hope in a few months you'll come back and be my guest
0: i'd be more than happy to do that i could i love talking about this stuff i love my yeah. job <laughs>
1: Great. Well, I've been talking with Dr. Laura Dabney. You find her at dot com, And she is a psychiatrist, and you can find her in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And again, at D-R-L-D-A-B-N-E-Y, Dr. L abney.com and so much richness for you i mean you can tell how easy she is to talk to and how down to earth she is at explaining things so a great person for you to seek out and uh, find solace and information and instruction and safety so thank you so much for being my guest laura thank you so much for having me roberta i loved it (laughs) So everybody, you know you can go and find now Dr. Laura at D-R-L-D-A-B-N-E-Y.com. You want to talk to me, come on over to for relationship help, F-O-R-Relationship H E L P dot com or my YouTube channel. Guess what? Same name for relationship help. <laughs> so in the meantime, while we are not talking, would you promise to be really, really good to yourself? because you're precious, and you matter, and it starts by validating yourself. So I hope you'll do that, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Take good care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on the Savior Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.